Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Aaron, one of our youth interns here. And um, let me say this just right up front. Um, one of the most unfair things that ever happens in a worship service is when there's a problem with the sound. We all have this... <laughs> this way of turning our whole bodies to look at the sound guy. Like somehow he is the demon in the details back there. Truth of the matter is we have a sound board that is slowly passing away. We'll have a service and everything when it finally does. And uh, so that is what's happening. And sometimes there are phantom things that happens that happen uh, on the way. So we're actually as a board going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Because I'm assuming that everything is still a go unless you hear from us today, weather-wise, our outpost Thanksgiving dinners and our meetings today. Unless you hear otherwise from us, we are going to still try to do all of that. Today we're talking about prophets, and I should probably uh, be quick to say that we're also talking about prophetesses. Um, if you've heard this story, just sort of bear with me, I think you'll enjoy it again, but there was a, a, several years ago, in fact, the pastor's name at the time was Terry Toller. And uh, there was, and my office was right here where Lisa's office is currently. And what that means is, for many years, I was the first face that people would see as they would come in the door. Now, over the years, we have had some amazing people walk right in off the street with some amazing messages for us. Like the day that the, the guy came in and said, hey, uh, I'm a rapper, would you like to hear some of my work? And I said, well, of course. And so we had a little impromptu concert right there. Chuck Mosley and I had a little concert, it was great. And then there was the time, remember him, Chuck? Uh, the, the, in fact, he referred to himself as the white shadow, which I thought was phenomenal, right? <laughs> Twilight, the white shadow. Anyway, um, then there was the day that the, the, the person came in and said, um, you need to get rid of all of your Bibles, you need to replace them all with Greek Bibles, and I happen to sell Greek Bibles because everything's going that direction. So we've had some very in, important uh, people come in and give us some very important messages. There was this one day, this lady walked in, <laughs> this lady walked in, and she had on a, a backpack, it was obvious that she'd been walking to different churches, she walked in, she was very put together, she knew exactly what she wanted. I said, hello, can I help you? Are you the pastor? No, no, but he's coming right down the hall right here. She goes, good, I need to speak with the pastor. I said, okay. And Terry heard this and he said, okay, can I help you? She said, yes, I am a prophetess. And Terry was so good. Terry said, is that right? Yes, I am a, I am a prophetess. And I have a message for all of the pastors and the churches in Oklahoma City, so I'm walking to all of them. 
and giving them all this message. Now, this is in the heat of the summer. It was hot. And uh, she started to explain herself. She said, now, I know what you're thinking. How can this woman be a prophetess? And I said that to God, too. She said, so I told God I needed some sort of a credential. I needed some sort of evidence so that the pastors would listen to me. And Terry said, okay, all right. She said, yes, so God gave me control of the north wind. And Terry said, is that right? She said, yes. Yes, it is. She said, do you remember a while back when it was so hot, it was so incredibly hot, and then all of a sudden there was that north wind? Terry said, that was you? (laughs) And she said, "Ah." she was so pleased, yes, yes, yes. And then she delivered the message, the message from the prophetess, and it just had to do with being faithful, and and it wasn't a terrible message, it was just incredible delivery that day. When I interviewed to be your pastor, I remember it was up the the top floor of the Marchant building over at SNU, and the thing that was asked of me that day, um, amongst all the questions, the one question that sort of ended up coming back to me time and again as a refrain was this one, will you protect the church? Will you protect the church? Now, we had just come through a kind of a hard time as a local church, and and you could understand why the question would be asked of the person who would be the pastor. Will you protect the church? Yes. Yes. And in fact, one of the things that I feel the most as your pastor, not, it's not quite all the way up there with just my, my passion for you, but right there with it, sort of 1A is the desire, because I have this passion for you, that, that I would at least be a means of protection for the church from false voices. False voices have for a long time been a problem for the people of God. It's not recent. It's not just in the New Testament. In fact, all the way back in the Old Testament, there were false voices that were monkeying with the message. And there had to be somebody at some point who would stand up and say, nope, this is the wrong message. This is not what we need to be hearing, and we're going to somehow excise this voice, or we're going to somehow protect ourselves from this voice. Case in point. Um... I used to sign every card with a little reference, and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Used to. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, you'll remember that it is a fantastic verse. And it goes something like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to harm you. Not, wow. (laughs) We're going to edit that out, Andrew, okay? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. Let me me tell you a little bit about the backdrop of that story. Here, Here is why that particular verse is written. The people of God, the southern kingdom, the people of Judah and Jerusalem, have been conquered now over a period of 10 years, but they were in the midst of being conquered by the Babylonians. The Babylonians had already breached the walls. They were all over the streets of the city, and they were already conquering the army and carrying our ancestors off, carrying them off all the way back to Babylon where they would live as prisoners. And this particular part of the book of Jeremiah is written to those people in captivity. In captivity. 
there was a false prophet who had said to the people in captivity, this is important stuff. There was a false prophet who was saying to the people of God in captivity, it's gonna be okay. Don't even unpack your bags. It's gonna be fine. Don't even unpack your bags. Yes, yes, our army has been defeated. Yes, yes, you've been ripped out of your homes. And yes, you've been forced to live in this Babylonian god-awful city. But don't even unpack because God is coming right away to whisk you out of there and take you back home. He was a liar. And he hurt the people of God. Because false prophets, false prophets, whether you're talking about way back when or in the New Testament or today, false prophets typically have for us unhealthy messages about security or insecurity. Okay, hear this. False prophets sometimes the ones who come and they say, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. No problems. It's going to be fine. Sometimes that's the voice of the, of the false prophet. And in this particular case, in chapter 29 in Jeremiah, that is exactly the case. Jeremiah writes in opposition to the false prophet saying, hey, wait a minute. You're the reason you're in captivity. You rebelled. You pushed God away. You hurt one another. You hurt the poor and the orphan, the widow around you. You did not take care. You were not the people of God. You're the ones who wandered out into oncoming traffic known as the Babylonian Empire. You're the reason you're in this situation, and God is going to use this situation to ultimately cleanse, to break you, but to cleanse you and to make you finally into the people of God. You're not going to have that happen if you could just immediately go home, if it's just all like a bad dream. And so Jeremiah says, no, unpack. Unpack. In fact, plant. You're going to be here a while. Get involved in the neighborhood. <laughs> Make friends and even family of your captors. Because you're going to be here a while. False prophets have this weird way of offering up to us a message of false security. Here's what, here's what false prophets can do. I think sometimes false prophets actually make an idol out of security. Because we can go the other direction too, right? And we don't have to go back that far. More recently, we have heard voices within the tent, within the tribe say, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Everybody lock your doors and just hunker down because God's coming back anytime and we just wanna be ready when God does. So this ancient false prophet gave a message of a false sense of security. But the left behind voices are giving us a false sense of insecurity. In other words, they've made security the point. And here's what false prophets do, ready? They've made security the point rather than faithfulness to God. And faithfulness to God if we are faithful, if we are faithful in following this God, it means that there will be seasons when we will feel something that feels like insecurity. 
And there will be seasons where we feel something that feels like security. But the ribbon that ties all of these situations together, the point of the conversation does not end up being security or insecurity, wealth or poverty. The point ends up being every time from a reliable prophet, the point ends up being faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to God. Are there false prophets today? Probably. Probably. Um, all there, are there false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing? Well, here, now we need to go back to our, to our iceberg. And Okay, I hope you like this. You're only going to see it a couple more times now, today and next week. And we're it, and that's it. Our sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount, two more weeks, and we have said this at the, at the beginning of every sermon, and so let's say it again. You and I, we are icebergs. Typically, typically, most teaching and preaching takes place up here. Do this, don't do this. But the Sermon on the Mount goes much deeper. It talks about your desires, the desires that give rise to certain actions and behaviors and activities. But even more deeply than that, the Sermon on the Mount wants to talk to you about the story or worldview False prophets want you to live out some sort of story other than the story of God and God's already coming kingdom. And there are plenty of options out there. Plenty of options out there. Yes, I do believe that within the faith community, we still suffer from some false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's pretty harsh, actually. Not too long ago, I was watching, um, I was somewhere other than my home, and that's an important point, but I was watching a, a news program, and this news program said that they had definitive evidence that the nation and the world's economy was about to absolutely collapse. And so this commentator said, you must buy gold because the economy is about to collapse, you must buy gold. Then they went to commercial break. The first commercial, this same voice, this same person said, I'm involved with a gold company. I'd like to sell you some gold. Now think about that. I know it's already touchy for some of you because some of you sitting where you are do believe that we need to be buying gold and stockpiling, I don't know what. How do we square that voice? Now listen, here's, what, here's the thing. False prophets always tell you to do something. They always tell you to do something that will somehow help the false prophet. Every time, every time. Now, I'm not talking about terrible forecasting. I'm not talking about weather people. Now, I do sometimes wonder if they're in cahoots with the grocery stores. Anybody else? Is that just me? <laughs> or Home Depot or something like that. The ice apocalypse is coming in 15 minutes. You've got to get to Lowe's, right? And so we're all standing in lines at Lowe's to get the last generator. We're bidding on generators and stuff like that. I'll have that can of beans, whatever. So some, I'm not talking about forecasting gone bad. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those people 
Because here's what prophets do, right? I'm talking about those people who read the signs of the times, but they read it, and then they tell you what to do, but they have conveniently left out that God has won and is winning and will win. You've heard this analogy before. If you have forgotten it or if you're new, if you're new, hear this. Prophets in Scripture... Old Testament prophets. They didn't so much predict the future as much as they warned of the ramifications of your decisions in the present. Make sense? They didn't so much predict the future as much as they did sort of read the signs of the times and give you some commentary as to what the voice of God is saying about the present. And the ramifications for the future. So sometimes the messages were terrible and ugly and frightening. And other times they were pretty good. God will be with God's people. So here's the analogy we use all the time. You take an Old Testament prophet to the racetrack. That Old Testament prophet is not going to tell you which horse is going to win the race. That Old Testament prophet is going to tell you gambling is going to kill your family. Make sense? In fact, the Old Testament prophet's going to say, gambling is in the process of destroying lots of families. By the way, gambling destroys families. And the church probably needs to find its prophetic voice every once in a while and say stuff like that. A false prophet reads the signs of the times, And either offers us a false sense of security or a false sense of insecurity. And then a false prophet tells you what to do most of the time, where to spend, so that you can take action on the false prophecy that you've received. And the problem with the false prophet, it starts to get personal here. And believe it or not, I'm in the home stretch already. The problem with the false prophet, they've developed a keen ear for their own voice, for his own voice, for her own voice, and they seem to have lost the ear for God's voice. John, you said it was about to get personal. Yep, yep, here's what I mean. If that's the way we're going to define false prophet, someone who has developed an ear for his own or her own voice, and someone who has perhaps immediately or over a period of time lost an ear for God's voice, because God sometimes shouts, but God sometimes whispers, and if you don't have an ear for the voice of God when God whispers, guess what? You will not hear it. Here's why it gets personal, because now I might be talking about me. Well, don't get too comfortable because I'm talking about you too. (laughs) Let's think back a little bit. Here's what we have said in the course, in the course of a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what we've said. Just a few highlights. Ready? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That does not make 
sense immediately. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, or as we say it today, blessed, (laughs) are those who are persecuted for the sake of king and kingdom. Now, how about that one? When was the last time you were so dedicated to king and kingdom that you suffered for it? And beyond that, (laughs) do you have an ear tuned for the voice of God that would allow you to bear up under persecution so that you can remain faithful and swim upstream? Or are you living a different story? If you're living a different story that can go by a number of different titles, that the title could be consumerism, materialism, it can be cynicism, legalism, nationalism. There are lots of other stories to think through and choose for or against. There are so many other stories that you could choose for or against that if you're going to choose this Christian story and this Christian kingdom, if you're ever going to choose it consistently, if you're going to make it a way of life, you will have to develop an ear that can discern, discern the difference between the voices, especially when the false prophets use our language to try to tell us something about God. Is anybody else really glad that we don't have to listen to or watch political ads for a long time now? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I think it's possible that each party has the capacity to use the language of faith and not be Christian. Anyone else? Would you also agree that they are quick to use the language of Christianity in the hopes of gathering your vote? Are there false prophets? You better believe it. And sometimes they're outside the room, but again, let's let's be honest with ourselves, sometimes they're inside the room. Because sometimes I become a false prophet. If I get too caught up in all of those other conversations, if I get too caught up in the rat race, if I get too caught up in some of those other messages of fear and security and insecurity, if I start to get so caught up in those kinds of things that somehow it starts to affect not just my speech but my thinking and my doing, then I've become a wolf in sheep's clothing. And not just for you, but for the people in my own house. Okay, convicted. Thanks, John. How do I know if I have become a false prophet? Well, Scripture seems to say, We can tell whether or not you're living out this Christian story with more than just words because words, as we're going to see next week, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these incredible things in your name? And the last part of that story goes like this. Jesus will say, I do not recognize you at all. 
So words and your ability to articulate our beliefs, that is not enough to demonstrate that you are not a false prophet. Here's how we will know that you aren't and that I'm not a false prophet. Do our lives look like Jesus' story? In other words, what you do does matter. I know that's not new news, but for some people, you feel that in your chest like it's bad news. What you do really matters. More than what you say. And so, it's imperative that you go home, not just with the ability to articulate the Christian message, but with the capacity to be Christian. It's important that you go to work tomorrow. And have more than just the bumper sticker for your favorite church on your car. If you, in the process of making profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, if you negotiate away your Christian distinctive, then your ability to articulate faith and yet your unwillingness to embody faith makes you a false prophet. We Christians, I'm telling you, Christianity is an odd way to be alive, and here's why. Because Christianity insists that we be as Christian as we say and sing that we are. the end of the Sermon on the Mount feels a little bit like, and some of you know this experience, I don't know it yet, feels a little bit like a parent who is gathering up all of um, their, their child's belongings, getting ready to pack the car, send them off to college. It, it, there's all these little lessons to deliver and messages to deliver right before the end. <laughs> and one of these messages to deliver right before Jesus sends out all of these disciples into the mission of God goes something like this. Not all the voices that you hear about Christianity will be Christian. Is this one back yet? You want me to use the this one? Check. And with this, I'll close. Not all the voices you hear, even within the tent, will be Christian. We will work very hard as humanity to try to Christianize unchristian postures. Whether that be about finances, or about governance, or about violence, we will work very hard to Christianize unchristian postures. And so you must develop the ear to hear the whispering voice of God 
and discern the difference so that you can be Christian. Not just say Christian, but be Christian. Brandon, go ahead and come on up. My, um, we, we will start the first Sunday of Advent, and we will every Sunday after that share the Lord's Supper together. But I want to build some anticipation for that. Today, we're just going to open the altars. Altars used to be called mourner's benches. Mourner's benches. We don't call them that anymore because I think it's a little bit intimidating to try to call these mourner's benches. It even intimidates you even more when you're trying to make the decision as to whether or not to come. Because if these are mourner's benches and you come down here, you're a mourner. (laughs) And it's possible that you're mourning about your own capacity to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. But what if today, in preparation for prayer, and by the way, I know you can pray in your pew as well. I hope you will pray somewhere just now. But what if today we were to make it easier on everybody by just making the blanket assumption that we all have the capacity to be false prophets? Is that okay? I'll start. I can. Feels like a giant support group all of a sudden, doesn't it? In order to not be that false prophet that none of us want to be, we have to learn to pray. To develop an ear for the whispering voice of God. If you determine that it's time for you to come to the altar, here's what we will think about you. We will think that you are chronically normal inescapably human and desirous of something more, the something more that Christ can give that nobody else, and by the way, from either party can give you something that you can't buy, something that you can't conquer, something that you just simply receive as a gift, this life of faith. Yes, you can pray about anything down here. You may have a praise, and I want to invite you to come and take, take advantage of these opportunities to pray if you have a word of praise to pray. If you are in need of a prayer for healing, that padded altar and this padded altar will be reserved for you and someone capable of praying a powerful prayer for healing. These folks <laughs> will meet you there and anoint you and pray that prayer for healing for a physical, mental, emotional, relational need. The altar is open for all those who might be false prophets. As we've already said, that probably includes all of us. And you all are welcome. Would you stand with me and sing along as Brandon leads us. And as he's singing, find a place and a posture of prayer.
let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee take my silver and my gold not a mite would I withhold take my intellect and use every power as you Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At your feet it's treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Take myself. Take myself and I will be ever only you see someone here that you could help to surround in prayer, I want to invite you to make your way to the front and be for these people a tangible expression of the help and the hope and the solidarity of God. Make sure someone feels God's touch through your touch, if you would. the sanctuary. I want to invite you to take a posture of prayer that's most comfortable for you. I hope it will, it will still include praying. If you'd like to remain standing, you're welcome to do so. If you'd like to kneel at your pew, you're welcome to do so. And if at any point you'd like to go ahead and come down for a prayer for healing or any other kind of prayer, you're always welcome to do so. Father, we begin the 
this time of prayer with the prayer of confession. I know about myself, we know about ourselves that we all have this capacity to listen to the voice of the false prophet. God, scarier than that, we all have this capacity to involve ourselves in the wrong story and become something of a false prophet. So right now, God, all we do is just take some time to confess it. So I'm going to get out of the way now and let you pray your own prayer of confession. If you know exactly how it is and when it is that you become the false prophet, if you know how it is and when it is that you are the victim of the false prophet, it's time to pray that prayer of confession now. take that prayer of confession and let's flip it over and make it a plea. God, move me wherever it is that you need to move me so that I am not vulnerable to these false voices. But also, God, grow me and move me however you need to in order that I might not ever be a false prophet. to moments of prayer of intercession. Moving from these prayers of confession, we want to think about some people in our congregation who need specific healing touches from you. So God, as we ask that, we ask that you would place those pictures of people in our minds now that you would ask us to pray for, for healing touch. I want to give these moments of silence as Brandon plays for you to pray for God's healing touch to be upon those people's lives who you know God needs to touch, whether it's you yourself, family members, church members. Some of you are going to be praying for Paul Adams. Some are going to be praying for Patty Martin. Some are going to be praying for Glenn Fain. You know who that person in your life is now that you want to pray for, and so in these moments, pray for the people in your life who you know need a specific healing touch from Jesus. pray corporately for those who have a dark cloud over their life and that may be you if you've come into this place and you struggle with depression 
you struggle with just a hard week where you just can't get out of bed, but you're here. You may know that person in your life who that dark cloud has followed them around. And so in these moments, pray, God, we pray for those people that, God, you would lift the cloud of darkness and that you would bring light and life. Lord, we also pray for the lonely among us and those in our lives. And God, we ask that you would be companion and guide and friend and send us to embody that as well. And as we pray for the lonely, we pray for the imprisoned and the forgotten and ask God for your care and that we might be your care in the world for those who are lost, lonely, forgotten, and imprisoned. As it turns cold, Jesus, we pray for those who are without shelter and ask God that you would be with, comfort, guide, and provide for those who do not have. Lord, we pray for our neighborhood and look forward to this afternoon when we get to have this Thanksgiving meal provided through our outpost ministry. Lord, I ask that you would be with our neighborhood, those homes, those apartment complexes, business neighbors, and Lord, we pray for that a wonderful meal this afternoon that, God, you would allow there to be a warmth and a goodness and conversation provided. From that meal leading into opportunities for our neighbors to come and have opportunities for after-school programs, opportunities uh, to play ball, Lord, we just ask that you would allow us to be your kingdom come to our friends and neighbors. And God, as we pray for our neighborhood, we pray for our nation our world. God, we pray for our pastors and friends in Zambia. And God, that you would allow us to be your people, bringing your kingdom to bear all around the world. Jesus, we pray this prayer, hoping that God, you would spiritually form us to believe and live into it. And this morning, we're going to pray using debts and debtors. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene. Or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.